You're listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sourced Property Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be talking to a couple of developers and we're going to be finding out how they've got their development, how they found it, how they're funding it, how they're building it, how they got the planning for it, anything that I can get out of them to help you start up or scale your property business. But right now, this is the news. So, producer M, first of all, hello. Hi. (laughs) In a previous podcast, we told you about something that we're funding here at Source called Boxworks. So, I wanted to give you an update on that. So, producer M, what is the update? We are fully funded. So, we fully funded a week or two ago, and we now have more properties on our invest section of our website that we are now funding. So we fully funded that property. I think well, we raised 261,000 for that property. That yep. 261,000 has now gone across to our franchisee in order to buy the property and do that development. So that's with them at the moment. The other projects that are on the website are, they're slightly different. So they're different property strategies, different amounts of funding, similar sort of returns for the ones that we've got on there at the moment. Yep. But if you go and have a look at them, you'll be able to not only see the project, see who's doing it, see what the project's all about, but all also interact and make returns. Now, as of April 2019, standard rate of return on the deals that we've got on our peer-to-peer platform is 10%, up to 12% if you invest over 25,000. But that's what we're looking at at the moment. So go to www.sourced.co, click on invest in the top left, and you'll be able to see what's happening right up there. And I do have to stress that your capital is at risk and you can read our risk statement on our website. Welcome to the main part of the podcast. So we thought you'd get some really great value by us bringing in a couple of property developers so you can learn from their experience. So I'd like to welcome Pete Donoghue and Mike Hill. Hello. Hi. So guys, do you want to tell us a little bit about the project that you're currently working on? Yeah, so um, we're currently working on a conversion, a property uh, conversion based in Crosby on, in Merseyside. It was a pub until around about three months ago, and we viewed the pub within a few days of it hitting, hitting the market and put in planning application, and we've just received approval to convert it into nine apartments. So it's quite a sizable uh, project to begin with, but uh, one we're relishing. So how did you find it? Well, we actually found it uh, via a contact in a nationwide commercial uh, agency. It's a relationship that we'd built and nurtured and developed over a number of years. And as a result, they tend to contact us when something hits the market that they're managing that fits within our ballpark. So if you're being contacted by people, and I assume that you're searching through commercial agents as well, you must come across a lot of property. So what was it about this one that stood out for you that you initially thought, this is worth me spending a little bit of time and doing some due diligence on this? I think um, a number of things, actually. The first thing was the charm and the character of the building. It's a really nice old traditional pub uh, situated right next to a, a church uh, in a lovely little village. Mike can tell you a little bit about the uh, the location of it. But uh, to answer the question, it was the aesthetics of the building, the ease of developments, uh, access, etc., but also the location of the uh, the actual property. And I think to add to that, I mean, we were also able to look at the general size of the floor space and could quite easily see that we could fit between probably nine and 12 apartments into it. Yeah. So it was immediately given the actual area, given the comparables that we looked at in respect of one and two bed apartments in the Crosby region, there was clearly quite a significant margin of profit in the deal. Yeah. And we were just fortunate, really, that it landed in our laps at a time that it just come onto the market. Yeah. So we didn't really hesitate, did we? No. 
So I must admit, Crosby isn't an area that I know a lot about. So when you found the pub in Crosby and you started to do your research, what did you find? The northwest, Liverpool and Manchester in particular, as I'm sure most people know, are very robust at the moment in terms of property prices and, and, and growth. And Crosby uh, really encapsulates that. It's a quite an affluent suburb within North Liverpool. It's got very good quality housing. It's also got a, a fairly large retail core as well. It's well located in respect of it's got easy access to the M57 and the M58, which will subsequently get you onto the M62 and M60 and M6. So it's a popular commuter locality. Got very strong public transport links into Liverpool city centre and also direct trains to Formby and Southport. And then on a more aesthetic level, it's very close to a number of beaches Anthony Gormley's the other place statues which people may be familiar with as well but overall the area has shown strong growth for a number of years and is an area that's also very resilient in terms of any downturn in the market it does tend to hold its prices so it's an area that, you know, as a result of actually finding the pub, we've now looked at further and subsequently found this other development that we're going to be looking at next Wednesday. And, you know, it's an area that we feel very confident in to actually uh, to do developments. When you break it down, there's a lot going on in this deal. There's a lot going on in everything that's, that these guys have put into this deal to get to this point. However, they've looked at Crosby and the fundamentals are good. And so you've decided to proceed because Crosby looks good. You've looked at the property and the fundamentals of the property and the need for properties like this in that area is good. And that's the reason that they've gone ahead with it. So there's a lot of moving parts, but you've got to take it back to the basics of what you need to do in property and look at the fundamentals, look at the need, look at the location and then decide on whether you want to go ahead with it. When you're searching for residential property, you can do your research on an area, find out what's going on, what the sort of council restrictions, whether there's any licenses or anything involved in that area. And you know you've got a big pool of residential property to pick from. But when you're searching commercial property, I guess it's a little bit different because your opportunity is fewer and further between. So do you find the property and then look at all the restrictions and what the council's intending to do with that area once you've found it? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, probably one of the biggest challenges in development is actually finding the deal, finding the property. Uh, there's a lot of competition out there and you tend to find that the best deals come on, on and off the market very, very quickly. So firstly, identify the property. Obviously, considerations like um, who the planning authority is, you know, the way they work and whether they've actually granted permissions on, on similar type developments is a consideration. And then it kind of it follows the same route as a residential purchase in respect of the fact that you'd look at comparables in the area and look to establish what the sort of price point is and then factor that into the number of the units you have. And obviously, once you've got your build costs, you've got, you know, a fairly clear idea on what the actual profit margins that you work into. Obviously, at the beginning of that due diligence, you're probably starting off on a higher margin than you will ultimately end up with but you also build that in as well you know that if there's x amount even if it reduces by 20 percent or so there's still sufficient margin in it for it to be a worthwhile deal and to give people an idea about the amount of due diligence that's required for a pub conversion into nine flats 
what would you say in terms of hours you've put into this property? That's uh, <laughs> gasp. <laughs> yeah, quite exactly. a lot. I mean, the initial part was fairly minimal, as in uh, sourcing the opportunity, making sure that it ticked our criteria for what we like to do, and then we go to stage two, which is doing the diligence. But you know, we have local knowledge as well. We tend to work and operate in areas that we're familiar with. In this instance, Mike lives within a spitting distance of the location, so we had a good general idea of the areas. But then, obviously, we have to liaise with estate agents, etc., to get valuations and I mean it's really difficult how long's a piece of string but if I was to literally pluck a figure from the sky I'd say probably um, 500 hours and those 500 hours will get you to a point of being ready to apply for planning or does does that include I was going to say I think you need to factor in that that planning is quite a time consuming process and it's not only just a time consuming process it's quite an emotional roller coaster as well that's really where the risk lies isn't it in obtaining the planning and you can never be certain until you've actually got approval that you're going to get approval there's also the issue of a delegated decision which is a far smoother process than a decision going to committee and you guys used a planning consultant for this yeah yeah yeah. I, i was going to say i think that's actually what's key is really using the right professionals i mean we were able to identify i mean first and foremost most that we knew of a really good estate agent in this area. I mean, you know, it's it's common knowledge that estate agents will really overstate on values in order to win the business. But these guys are fairly realistic in terms of what they actually quote. So we know that we can rely on them in terms of the price in conjunction with our own due diligence in terms of prices in the area. But what also came out of that was we were actually using a planner who was a really, really good planner but didn't actually have a great deal of experience within that authority. And the estate agent was able to recommend to us somebody who had 30 years experience of actually dealing with this particular authority. And I think that's been invaluable. It's, it's hasn't paid it? huge dividends yeah. for us. It really has. As I say, the, the person we highlighted initially hadn't ever dealt with this uh, this council before. This guy has, and um, it's uh, has, and uh, it's probably saved us countless hours and stress yeah. uh, looking after the process for us. There's obviously a cost attached to that, but it's managing the downside. And so once you'd engaged that planner that had 30 years experience in that council, was it all plain sailing from there? I wouldn't say it's plain sailing in any planning application. The thing that you learn when you go through a planning process is that there is going to be a planning policy in place from that particular council but it doesn't necessarily mean that the actual planning officers within the authority will actually follow that process. Or alternatively, you may get some who are more flexible on the planning process and others that actually stick to it rigidly. So in this instance, you know, we were unfortunate in terms of timing because there was a change to the planning policy in November of last year, which actually had implemented some minimum apartment sizes And we initially had the scheme for 11 apartments, but we were told by the council that at this moment in time, they're sticking rigidly to what was actually an advisory part of the policy. Now, what typically will happen in that situation is they will stick rigidly to it for six to nine months and eventually they'll become more flexible because they're declining too many. So we had to reduce the the scheme by two units to make the apartments bigger. There's an upside to that. There's an increase in unit value. Obviously, it's going to make it easier to sell, particularly if we're looking at the end user market. So marketability is easier, but obviously it took a slight hit on profits, but it's still a 
profitable project. And the planning consultant was with you along that sort of yeah, uh, correct, change yeah. of... Essentially, we handed the job to him and then he liaised with us as and when there were critical yeah. uh, decisions to be made, but he managed the relationship, pushed the whole thing through. We believe it went through a heck of a lot quicker using his services, but it's not a case of hand the project to him and then just let us know when we get planning. It would be lovely if that was the case. We're, we're involved throughout the whole process. I think what's key in, in using a good planning consultant and one that knows that particular authority very well is they know the personalities involved. Involved, mm. and they know how to actually approach the situation with that particular individual and I think that's really invaluable. We came across a developer during the process who's had numerous run-ins with this particular council and always ends up going to committee and not delegated and we subsequently found out various people gave opinions that you know he was basically going in on the front foot and not working with them and one of the things that our planner told us from the outset is with this particular council you really need to work with them and make them feel that they're actually driving the decision making as regards the actual scheme itself and he did that very effectively so even at this level even at the, the local planning level we are still dealing with individuals and it is absolutely. in your interest to engage yeah, enga- either engage them yourself yeah. or you somebody who engages with them yeah. correct and that's definitely helped you make that transition from 11 units down to nine units and seemingly. And also a lot of cost saving. In fact, both of the planners that were involved, the planner that was involved initially and the, and the planning consultant that subsequently did the entire process told us at the beginning that given the size of the scheme, it was almost certain to go to committee we actually got it on a delegated decision. And I think that was largely down to the actual consultant that we used. Right. And so where are we now? At what stage is this development right now? So right now we've received planning permission a couple of weeks ago. We're now just at the point where we're uh, appointing the, or putting dates in diaries for the building to start, the rip out to start, and then obviously the developments. And of course, the crucial part of putting the finance in place. So we're currently funded to 75% by a bridging finance company who've, who've underwritten the deal. So they've looked at it and you know it's very much in their sweet spot and they're confident that it's a strong project so now what we're looking to do is obviously raise the the other 25 percent on the peer-to-peer platform and so how are you doing that do you want to tell people about a little bit about uh, where to go for updates on that and how they can get involved go on sourced.co you can visit the invest side of the website and you'll be able to see it along with other offerings that source have as well yeah you can go on there you can see details about the investment proposition uh, pictures of the development and also uh, the ins and outs and how to get involved and how to invest and then you're going to be recording updates once the development starts to happen once your builders are engaged you're going to be recording updates and doing stuff and post it onto that site so people can see the progress yeah correct we, we, we plan to be on site as much as possible at least uh, weekly and throughout that process throughout the development cycle we're going to be there doing updates on uh, facebook and uh, and also probably another podcast and um, so people will be able to see the development from as it is now to hand, hand in the keys over so if somebody's going to invest in this project what are the returns producer m maybe you can take this one you can get a return of up to 12 percent if you invest over twenty-five thousand or more, or you can invest under twenty-five thousand from two hundred and fifty pound, and that's with a ten percent return. And what's the lifetime of that investment? The loan term is twelve months. So after twelve months' time, you'll get your capital back plus your interest. And at twelve months, presumably there will be another deal that people can invest in on similar terms. And so, yes. if you're looking at this as a longer-term investment strategy you'll be able to invest in something else. In fact, you guys are looking at viewing another project on Wednesday, did you say? Yeah, yeah, we are. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that one? 
Also, in uh, we're quite keen on Crosby, aren't we? It's a yeah. it's a good, solid area of Liverpool, and um, it's currently a care home. It's got outline plan and permission to convert into seven apartments, so we're looking at that next Wednesday. And full plan and permission is due to be given within the next couple of weeks, so we're hoping to run both projects side by side. So potentially, you could invest in my compete in this one, and then in twelve months' time, in my compete yet yeah. again. That and would be it, lovely. It, it's also <laughs> worth adding that, um, despite the fact that we have a, a bridging finance company involved any investment you do get first charge on the property as well i also have to mention that your capital is at risk but you can see a risk statement on our website for more information and now on to the tip so i think what we'll do is we'll get a tip from you guys this week Okay, so I would say my best tip would be to really build and work on the relationships with the commercial agents. Every single developer out there says they do this. What they mean is they send emails or maybe they pop their head in every kind of six months. But actually to get right under the skin and get a good relationship with them, you probably need to be talking to them once a week, making sure you're meeting them as often as possible and, you know, doing viewings with them and giving accurate and thorough and and rapid feedback for them as well so yeah i'd say my best tip thing that's helped us most so far would be the relationship building with the uh, commercial agents because it's about lifetime value right so the, the people that you've built relationships with, you're looking at the next project and the next project and the next project. Yeah, correct. And I think they are. I mean, ultimately, they take on stock and they want to know that they're going to give it to somebody who's reliable. So they're going to go through and complete with the deal. So the more honest you can be with them, direct and, and as I say, communicate with them frequently, the more you can do that, then the greater the, the relationship. Brilliant. OK, thank you, Pete. Thank you, Mike. And thank you, Emma. Welcome. Thank Thanks, you. Chris. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Sourced Property Podcast. 